would with me today. Acts 13. In this class today, my dad is preaching in Framingham this morning for some friends of ours that are having a missions emphasis month this month. They've had a lot of different guest speakers to speak on missions, and so he will be he's preaching there today. So pray that they have a good service there. They're doing much the same as we're doing, talking about missions this month in October. And I want to give you one last, I want to lead one last discussion uh, that has a missions theme to it today. And we've already started to receive some of our Faith Promise cards. Um, today will be kind of our main collection day, but a lot of folks have already turned these in. So hopefully you've been praying about it and planning to participate in Faith Promise missions. But um, so today, um, again, we'll be collecting. We'll dedicate that offering to the Lord. But as we've been thinking about it, one of the, last week I spoke a lot about the, um, the financial aspect, and the theme was financing the mission, and just our responsibility, and then the, uh, the delight that we have to be a part of it. And so we spoke about that last week. But this week I want to speak about this idea of answering the call. And how many of you believe that God puts a call on our lives, right? He does, and his call is his call is general. There's a there's a there's a call to salvation that God draws us to, but there are different callings that God gives us at different times throughout our lives, and really being learning to listen and respond to that leading. When you think about the call of God, what things come to mind? Anybody thoughts as we? Get started today. When you think about God's call, what what comes to mind? Hmm? Okay, mission. People are called to missions or things like that. What else comes to mind? Anybody? Obedience. Obedience. Yeah, God's call. What else? What else? Hmm? Surrender. Surrender. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Direction, that's a big one. Like, I'm looking for a path to go down here. God, I want to answer your call. I want to follow it. Anybody else, what comes to mind when you think about the call? Call of God in your life. Yeah. So, so some specificity. Okay, yeah, it's good. Well, there's something that happens here. There's a miraculous calling in Acts chapter 13. And I want you to notice this. In verse number one, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have, what's it say, called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them 
away. A little question here really quick. In these verses, who was called? Who was called? Huh? Saul and Barnabas? Yeah. Who else was called? They're all called, right? Isn't that interesting? Paul or Saul and Barnabas were called to what? Come on now. They're called to what? Separate yourselves. Yeah? But what are they called for? Yeah, they're called to go. They're called to get up and leave. And everybody else is called to what? To send them or to stay. They're called to stay. It's interesting. Who is more called, the one who is sent or the one who stays? Yeah, they're both called, right? They're, they're both equally responding to the call of God in their lives because it's God that's working there. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. So in other words, they have a different calling than the people who are staying there. But everybody's called. And verse number three, and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at uh, Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning as we think about this topic. I pray that our hearts and minds would be open. Um, Just show us what you have for us today. I do pray for the services in Framingham today. I pray that you'd be with my dad as he ministers uh, to the church there. I pray that you'd encourage them. I pray that they'd have a wonderful day in the Lord. And as we've been challenged, I pray that church would be challenged uh, to be involved in world missions, to have a part. So please help us all this morning. We need your presence and power. In Jesus' name, amen. So obviously, already we're seeing here this key concept of hearing the call of God. Now, we talk about the call. The call of God for the believer begins where? Where does the call of God begin in our lives? Yeah, it begins, I heard some people say it, it begins at salvation. There's a call. And you don't need to turn there, but if you want to jot a reference down, it's 1 Peter 2.9. talks about the church being a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And then it says that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the purpose of our salvation calling the purpose of our salvation calling is to be is to what? Well, we are called to be out of the world, to walk for the glory of God, and to shine forth the marvelous light. He says that you should that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you. So as just think about our identity as a church. And we're going to spend the next several weeks really thinking about our identity as a local church. Well, in the main service, we'll be looking in the book of Revelation at the seven churches, and we'll be thinking about what our specific calling is as a local church. But here, what we're thinking about is the fact that we're saved because, not because we called out to God, but because he called us and we responded. We heard his voice, we heard his call, and he's called out the church to live for his glory, and to be a light, to be a witness 
in the world. We're supposed to show forth his marvelous light. Now, what's happening here in verse number, in these verses in Acts chapter 13, is this church is taking that calling seriously. They're taking their identity seriously as a church. And so I want to give you, I'll give you a few notes this morning if you want to jot some things down. I'll give you some governing principles. Some governing principles, first of all, for hearing God's call. Hearing God's call. There's a, a lot of times in life we, 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 we say, Lord, I just wish you would show me what you want me to do. How many of you ever had a moment like that, right? Lord, please just show me what you want me to do. We look for those. And whether we're young or old in different circumstances, we say, God, I want to hear your voice. I want you to show me what to do. Well, you'll notice in Acts chapter 13, there are some governing principles for hearing God's call. What do you notice about this group? What do you notice about this church that would make them, that would make them really primed and prepared to hear and know the will of God? This church in Antioch, this is in Syria, it's, it's to the north of Jerusalem, but kind of on the edge of the You've got the Mediterranean area, then you've got Asia Minor, where the missions movement would start. And so this northern church, Antioch, why do you see, what do you see in the verses that we've read that really shows they are primed to hear and know the voice of God, the call of God? What would you say? Yes. Well said. They were, they were a church of prayer. I mean, they were seeking the will of God. There was fasting and prayer were a part of their, was a part of the life of the church. It says, they, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. They met for prayer. prayer. So yeah, what, in what other ways do you see that this is a church primed and ready to hear, the, to, to hear it? Yeah. Busy and doing the Lord's work. Yeah. They're, they're actively serving God. They didn't sit there. I, I shared this with, a few, with you a few weeks ago. Um, I forget if it was Wednesday or what, but several years ago, maybe 10 years ago, I read a book that I recommend it for young adults, teenagers especially. It's the book by J.D. Greer, Just Do Something. Great, great book for young people. And it, he deals with this very topic of people that are looking for the will of God for their life. They want God's will for their life. And so while they're waiting for God's will and they want to know exactly what they should do next, the worst thing you can do is nothing. Just wait and say, well, when I get a voice, when I hear from God, when I get some direction, maybe I'll do this. Or when I'm, when I'm 100% positive that this is the next step. And the whole premise of the book, and he makes a really good biblical case for this, is no, that's not how God's that's not how God speaks to us. It's kind of like that objects in motion kind of principle. You know, it's a lot easier to it's a lot easier to keep moving after you've started moving. And so, this is a church that understands that. There was no question to them. They they didn't need a they didn't need a lightning bolt moment to know they're supposed to be praying and they're supposed to be ministering. They're supposed to that's the will of God. That's the call of God. The the there's this will of God that we have yet to discern, but there's the will of God that is completely discernible right now. And so they're active doing that, right? 
Anything else we notice about this church that makes them really primed to um, primed to hear God's call? Anything else anybody would notice about them? We've seen that they're praying, they're serving, they're ministering. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would say that that would be absolutely right. Anything else that you'd notice is going on? That, that's, that's here. There's one other thing. I, I saw three things, but, and you, you might see more, but I saw three personally. What we could say? Okay, well, that's four. So, yeah, they're gathering together. They're assembling. It's hard for God to speak to a church that doesn't assemble, right? Like if the church isn't assembled, if you're not a part of the assembly, it's going to be hard for God to move in their midst. And notice, God didn't just speak to individuals. Who did God speak to? He spoke to them all. He spoke to the whole church, which is, which is that's interesting. I think there's something else, though. So that apparently we've got four or five now. So something else about this church that makes them primed and ready to go and hear the, hear the call of God. There was a lot of, notice early on in this passage, there's a lot of what that's happening here. Early on, they're very, they're very heavy in, certain, in one area in particular. If you were to describe this church, yep. Apparently, they're interested in prophets and teachers. There's a lot of teaching in this church. I mean, this church has... Prophets and teachers, count them up. Count up the notable teachers in the church. We don't know how big this church is either. Like the, the church in Jerusalem was a large church. Most of the other churches were not particularly large churches, but they had they were a they were a people that studied the word. They had prophets and teachers. I mean, you've got Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menaean, Saul. All of, these, all of these teachers here in this church, why, why do you think that is significant in, discern, in, in hearing the call of God and knowing the will of God for our lives? Why, why might that be significant? The fact that there's so much teaching, yep. I think you're absolutely right. Yep. So also we know from prior scripture that they didn't they met daily as opposed to three times a week. Yeah. Well the church in Jerusalem met daily. We don't know if the church in Antioch did, but it's very likely that, that they did. Yeah. Yes. I would say because they were uh, they're in this good church. To hear God's calling, Yep, absolutely. I think there's something else about the teaching, though, that, that I would be... I think there's even more to it. These are all good answers. Anybody? Yep. God speaks through His Word. Probably teaching His Word. Yeah, God's going to speak through His Word. God's, teaching, God's calling is never going to contradict His Word, Right? There are a lot of people that will tell you they're following God's will for their life, right? You can, and you'll even meet people that tell you, well, I heard a voice. I heard the voice of God. But 
sometimes those individuals, and, and again, this isn't universal, but sometimes you'll meet people that say they have a call from God to do such and such, but their supposed call from God doesn't line up with what the scriptures say, you know? And so people can have a lot of zeal and a lot of passion, but sometimes people can mistake a desire of their own personal heart for the will of God. What's one of the things that's going to keep you on track? It's going to be your faithfulness to the word, solid teaching, understanding the scriptures, discerning the scriptures. So for all of these reasons, I think when we're trying to think about, when we're trying to think about hearing the call of God and individually discerning what God wants for our lives, we'd better be people of the book. We'd better be people of the scriptures. We'd better be people of prayer. We'd better be people that assemble, right? And we better be people that are serving in the, in the work because that is when we are in a position to be primed to hear God's voice and to, and to follow his leading in our lives. These, these principles are going to guide us. It's the same thing. Listen, I'll even tell you the same thing with giving. You know, How many of you have ever heard that? Because we're talking about the faith promise missions. How many of you have ever heard the statement, well, you can't outgive God? You ever heard that before? You know, and I think it's a. I think in some contexts it's a healthy statement, but that can also be a harmful statement too, couldn't it be potentially? I mean, th- it could be that um, I've heard. Listen, I've heard stories of pastors getting up because they have some big fund drive or um, some big, uh, um, you know, capital campaign. They're trying to make money. I've literally heard people say things like, take out a loan against your house to give to the offering. Or people say, you know, use a credit card or, or, or whatever to give. Now, if somebody's in an emotionally charged service, hearing an emotionally charged message, seeing lots of pictures about the need around the world, and then somebody says, you know, take out this loan, do this, and give that way. Well, what can happen sometimes to that person? Well, they can mistake the voice of a man for the voice of God. But if you know your scriptures, if you're grounded in the scriptures, and some preacher says something like that, you're going to be like, I'm not so sure about that. You know, like, that seems like it would contradict, contradict other principles of stewardship in the Bible, right? You know what I'm saying? So my, my point is this, like, we have to be, the, just because we are, and this is really my second point. So the first point is, there are governing principles for hearing the call of God. Don't get a hard and calloused heart, you, but, but at the same time, it's all got to be based on the word, and it's all got to be, it's going to be to people who are working, they're active, they're involved in ministry, they're involved in prayer, God's going to speak. But then we've got to be able to distinguish our own emotional impulses from the voice of God in our lives, right? How many of you have ever made a decision only to realize later on, you know, I really made an emotional decision? Only one? You're the only one that raised your hand, you know? And I, I can't believe that that's true, I can't believe that's true. I saw some head nods out there. We've made emo- emotional decisions, right? In fact, a lot of you know that I'm in the uh, 
in the business world, and we have salespeople that we train, and they're trained to be aggressive salespeople. And, but you know what else we train them to do? When you're in a home with somebody and you get them all fired up and excited to buy something, once they're ready to sign that contract, you're supposed to take all of that emotion and do what? You're supposed to, a good salesperson who actually cares about the person will take all that emotion and say, all right, well, let's think about some logical reasons why you made this decision as well. Because what happens the next day to somebody who made a, an emotional decision? Yeah, they call you on the phone and they say, I'm canceling that contract. I'm because that's never good. That's why I really, to be honest with you, I so appreciated, I so appreciated um, our guest speaker for the missions conference because I thought he laid the cause out there, he laid the challenge out there, and he made us really think about it. Because I've, I've known other people to, you know, to overuse that emotion, to try to play on, on emotion to get a desired result. We've got to distinguish emotion from the will of God. In fact, go to, um, I wasn't, I didn't put this one on the screen, but you can turn back in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. Interesting passage here. 1 Kings 19, a lot of you know this. Keep a mark on, uh, a mark in Acts 13. But look back in First. In First uh, Kings 19, so Elijah's in a cave in verse number 10. He's really in a very depressed state, and he says, he's praying here, and he says, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altar, slain thy prophets. Then he finishes, his I, I'm the only one left, and, and they want to kill me too. And so now he gets the word of the Lord that says, go forth, stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Read the next statement with me. Ready? But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But what? The Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and saith, What doest thou here, Elijah? Elijah, it wasn't, and, and I think, and again, I'm not trying to make too much of that point there, but that passage there I think is always a good illustration that we look for fires and earthquakes and miraculous things, but God speaks through his word in calm assurances in confidence. Now, don't use that as an excuse, right? Well, I'm, I'm not a generous giver to missions because, you know, I don't buy into all that emotional hype, you know. You can be that. You can, you can well, there's some faith here too, folks, right? And there's some passion, and, and, and so there's a balance is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. But an emotional decision is never going to last. And we need to learn to distinguish emotion from the Holy Spirit. This church in Acts chapter 13, there was no question they knew what the will of God was. God had given them that confidence. And so they send out Barnabas and Saul. 
So, there's, so we've seen some governing principles. We've, we've learned now to distinguish emotion from the Holy Spirit, that there's a, there's a difference. But then I want you to, to do this. As, as you seek out the will of God, as we seek out the will of God, an important thing here for any person that says, God, I want you to use me, whether it's the, the as we think about the missionaries or it's in the local church, another important principle here, and I've kind of alluded to it already, is we need to be a people who are developing, developing our giftedness. Developing our giftedness, right? Look at, look at these five men. Was it five, right? Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Maenaean, Saul. All these guys were used because they had been prepared to be used, right? How many years? How many years had they been teaching in the church? Anybody know? I don't know. Does anybody know how long Paul prepared before he was sent out in his apostolic ministry? We do know that one. It's 14 years. You can find in the the book of Galatians, records that for 14 years, it was 14 years between his conversion and his uh, his apostleship. 14 years. And in those 14 years, there's learning, there's growing, there's developing their gifts to the Lord. So if we want to hear God's voice, I guess the question would be, what are you doing with the gifts that you have today? What are you doing with with that today? Develop that giftedness. It was, you know, I think there's, it's just such a great opportunity to say, Lord, here am I, I'll do whatever. I know in my life it was the, the fact that, you know, I got to be involved in, the, in our bus ministry and children's ministries when I was just a teenager and God's able to, you know, when you just are available, God's able to show you things that, you, that he wants for you and can do for you. It's kind of that whole thing we said at the beginning is if we're not moving in a direction, if we're just sitting and, 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 and not growing and not serving, we're not going to hear God's, God's voice. I think there's another great principle here, though. For There's another great principle when it comes to hearing the voice of the Lord. And I would say this. We need to learn to rely on the counsel of the church right? Rely on the counsel of the church. You saw that in verse number two. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. What would happen if somebody just came and and like, you know what, I just had this great idea, I think I'm going to go on this missionary journey. The pattern here is God confirmed that with the church. Through the leadership of the church, through the prayers of the church corporate. And so I think that we live in a very, very independent-minded culture, whereas people in this generation are not quite as willing to submit to the church. And when I say that, please don't misunderstand me. I don't mean that. I don't mean submit to the pastor necessarily. I don't mean that, you know, that, that 
people that are pastors have the right to, you know, to make decisions for people in their lives. That's not what I'm saying. But when it comes to serious spiritual decisions, part of the reason we have the local church is that accountability that God's given us, that recognition. That that's why that's why if somebody wants to be a a, a bishop, or as the Bible says, if a man desires the office of a bishop. Who's the people, who determines if that person gets to be the bishop or the pastor? Who gets to determine that? The local church does. It's a local church that determines that. And so we have this protective relationship within the local church that God has given us, and I think we need to be tender to that, to be tender. It astounds me sometimes that, and I know, and it astounds me sometimes that people will, people will move for a job a better financial opportunity in a heartbeat, whether or not they are confident that there's a healthy local church for their family to be a part of. And I've said this before, like if, if God, if, if we know the will of God and the, the importance of the local church, if God moves, it in, moves on your heart at some point, and as he does, that it's time for you to move or, and to, to, uh, to, to go somewhere else, maybe for an opportunity or this or that, one of the main main ways of discerning the will of God is, God, what body will I, will I be a part of? Right? It's a primary relationship in our lives. The only organization, and I use that word loosely, for which Christ died is the local church. That's it. It should be, our relationship to, the, to, to, to our local church should be a foundational element in our lives. And so these people, as they heard the call of God, they, they're submissive to their church, and their church is on board, and their church says, yes, absolutely, follow the Lord, follow God's call. And then I think one of the things that we can, one of the last things we can say, um, one of the last things that we can say about this, and kind of to summarize it all, is, listen, if you follow God's general call in your life, he will surprise you with a special call. I, there's a great book. I know some of the folks in the church have read it before. But if you're wrestling with these things and you're, and you're trying to get discernment from the Lord, it's a great book written by a Christian author named Oz Guinness, and it's the book The Call. How many, a few of you have read that book, right? It's a really great book. And, you know, he makes a good point in that book that sometimes, and our missionary guest shared this with us, he said there, I think he said there were two times in his life where he, he knew that God was specifically speaking to his heart about something. I mean, he just knew it, that this is exactly what I'm supposed to do, okay? I don't know, I don't know that there has ever been a time in my life, ever, where I had a moment where there was an unmistakable moving of the Holy Spirit that said, make this major decision in your life. I don't know that that's ever happened, right? And that's okay. Because God has given us all a call of obedience and faith. So the point is this, the point is this. I knew, I knew that, well, Lord, I know you want me in the ministry, and the Lord opens a door, and you walk in that in obedience, and God has me here. 
and God has allowed me to do this, and well, I, I, you know, I don't know how I'm going to be able to pay for it or afford it, and then God opens the door for another job, and God opens it. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes God's will is just that simple. You just do what you're supposed to do. You put one foot in front of the other. You obey the principles of God's word, and he just leads you step by step. And maybe I'll have the blessing, the opportunity someday for, for, for a lightning bolt moment. And maybe some of you have had that. But we don't need to seek lightning bolt moments when we have the next step laid out right in front of us. And we need to walk confidently in that and just follow God's general call in our life. Take the next step of obedience, and you know what? Then you'll be able to look back and say, wow, it wasn't like one moment but I can discern 15 or 20 steps back there that show me, wow, I am right exactly where God has called me to be. And so sometimes God just, sometimes, yeah, but you don't, we don't need to pray for a lightning bolt moment when God has given us clear direction for the next step. Just take the next step. And as Paul would write in Ephesians 4.1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, the slave of Jesus, he says, the prisoner of Jesus, he says, I beg you, just walk worthy, Ephesians 4.1, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Wherever you find yourself today, if you love the Lord and you're obeying the Lord, wherever you find yourself today is what's called the will of God for your life. So live it to its fullness and walk worthy of it. Because that's when you're in a position to hear God's voice for the next step of life. So, hear the call, follow his leading. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we've had this time today to study the, the scriptures. I pray, Lord, that you continue to make your will and your way known to us. Help us to be obedient day by day. Now, Lord, we just pray that you'd bless this worship service in a, in a few minutes. Help us to sing with all our might to, for your honor and glory. Help us, Lord, to just to worship you as you deserve. Help us to be attentive to the scriptures. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.